Um, for those of you that I haven't met, if you're a guest with us, my name is Scott, and I have the privilege of uh, being the pastor here at Novation, and I'm excited that you're with us today. We're in the middle of a, of a great series, but this morning, um, I'm not going to do the teaching. I want to, Pastor George to come up here. I want to introduce to you, if you do not know, this is Pastor George Morrison, and he was, yeah. He's been my pastor my, my whole Christian life, which is 27 years now. So I remember strolling into Faith Bible Chapel where he was the pastor for numerous years, and I was just, didn't know what, what life was about, and walked in, and, and uh, just God changed my life. And this man right here has been my pastor, um, been somebody that's spoken into my life, walked with me through some hard times. And, and blessed Janelle and I with this vision to start Novation Church. I mean, and, and I would, can say this honestly, we, we were just um, thinking about this, that it's, it's coming up on eight years that Novation has been around. Yeah. In the summer of 2011, J Janelle and I came to Pastor George, and so we, just, we realized we were supposed to do this, but him being my pastor, I wasn't going to just go tell him what we were doing. I was going to trust God through his wisdom and prayers. And we came to him and said, we feel like we're supposed to do this, but you know, we don't want anything but your blessing. And he prayed about it, and he said that you're supposed to do this. And uh, so I thank God for you, Pastor George. And we went to, I don't know if I've told you recently, but we went to Israel. That, that's an ongoing joke here. So I, I mention it every week. We went to Israel with Pastor George and his wife, Cheryl, who's here today, and it was amazing, and we're looking forward to, to going again soon, but I don't want to take any more of your time, Pastor George. We thank God for you, and looking forward to it. I believe I have everything turned on. I hear it right now. My Cheryl, Cheryl, my wife, is here, and she's sitting in the back row, and I'll tell you this is... Uh, all of you who know us know how valuable Cheryl has been to the ministry of Faith Bible Chapel, uh, to the ministry of people like Scott and Janelle and everyone else without her. Certainly couldn't have done the amazing things that God has allowed us to do. Well, hello. hello. <laughs> you know, uh, for those of you who do not know that uh, Cheryl and I and our family, uh, part of our family, that is uh, Rod and Kelly, Kelly being one of three daughters. I have another daughter here too, Neely. She, she strolled over here, and I thank, thank for that. Hey, Neely. And, well, and the four kids, the younger grandkids, we moved to Georgia, believe it or not. The dogs are down there in Georgia. And they, they let you know they're the dogs. Unless you run across some Alabama guy, then they let you know who they are. <laughs> but anyway, we moved down there. And uh, as I come back, uh, the first question that people ask me, uh, every time we seem to come back or run into someone from around here, they say, well, how do you like Georgia? <laughs> and I, and I, I think, Cheryl, I really think God gave me an answer this morning in prayer. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to tell you. <laughs> uh, because we... We would say things like, the jury's out, we don't really know, Colorado's so beautiful, the people in Colorado are beautiful, and ah, we don't know why we're here, and oh yeah, the grandkids, right, okay. And, but 
I really felt the Lord put this in my heart, and I'm going to respond this way. We're learning to be content. We're learning to be content. You know, life is, is, is like that. You learn things in life. I was thinking about, uh, call it our mission, our purpose. Why are we here? Especially after the Lord touches our, our lives and transforms us and stirs our heart and the joy. We're just over filled with joy and anticipation that God's going to do great things. Uh, one of the things is that we need to share the love of God with all people. That's for sure. And you can do that through words, you can do that through your life, you can do that through kind works. But we're to share that love. But another thing is that the Bible says go make disciples. In other words, we're learning, a disciple is a follower of Christ. So we're learning how to follow Christ. It doesn't come at that, that salvation time experience. That's a big part of it. That's a launching pad. But we learn to follow Christ. And folks, I've been serving the Lord now since 1971, Cheryl since 1967. It's a short time compared to what a lot of other people serve the Lord. But all of that time, I find out right now I am learning more about God. The depth and the riches of the glory of God. And, and I want to put that in your heart because I'm going to talk a little bit about that. We're, we're, we're learning. We're growing. God is maturing us. And that process, that's a, not a negative thing. Uh, it's a very positive thing because every time you grow, there's something opens up before you. There's windows, there's doors that open up before you that wouldn't have been there living in an immature state that we live in. Scott told me that uh, the title that you guys have been dealing with, and all things are new, and that is so true. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. And so all things are new. The way we think should be new, the way we use our mouth should be new, uh, the way we treat our uh, mates should be new. I mean, everything should be new, especially newer than what they used to be before you knew Christ. So all things are becoming new. So I, we, we have the title today, and you got some notes there. We're going to get right into it. Renewing your strength. Renewing your strength. Uh, Isaiah chapter 40. Here's our, here's our uh, scriptures we're going to launch off of. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 31. But those who wait, say wait. wait. On the Lord shall renew. Say renew. Renew, renew their what? strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. That is packed, filled with lifelong principles. These are things that we need in our life. Would you, would you agree that we, it would be nice to be able to, to mount up with wings as eagles so that we can see the bigger picture at times? You know, that we could soar like the eagles soar? Or that we'll run and not be weary, walk and not faint? I think this is all, every one of us would say, this is something we need. Now look at the Amplified. I put it down here in the Amplified, which Amplified is, is simply as more words to describe the words in the Bible. The Amplified says this, but those who wait for the Lord, who expect, look for, hope in him, 
will gain new strength and renewed what? Power. Remove their power. Now there's a, there, there's a pattern in the Bible. And the pattern in the Bible is this, is that it's packed full of promises. Someone said there's 6,000 promises in the Bible. I never counted them. Uh, but there's 6,000 promises in the Bible. Let's say that. That every promise has a principle that goes with it. In other words, you have the promise, but there's a principle linked to it. Unfortunately, what we do, we look for the promise and dwell on that and rejoice in that without thinking about the principle that precedes the promise. That makes sense? So there's principle that brings about the promise. Always remember that as you study the Scripture. Well, there are promises here. First of all, renewed strength. You'll mount up like uh, with wings of eagles. You'll run and not be weary. You'll walk and not faint. Those are, those are promises, but look what it all... Was. Here's the principle. Those who... Come on. Those who wait on the Lord... That's the principle. You wait on the Lord, and these things are going to come to pass. You don't hurry and uh, begin to doubt because you have to, have to linger a little bit because it's not coming just the way you want it to come. No, those who wait upon the Lord. That, that word wait there is an interesting Hebrew word. It means that you take a picture strands uh, of whatever you're going to make a rope out of, and it means to twist those strands with other strands. And you know what happens when you twist that strands with other strands? It becomes what? Stronger. Stronger. The rope becomes stronger. That, the twisting together where you twist it to another one or a third one or a fourth one, it becomes stronger. And this word here is those who twist themselves in their relationship with God. Get get. Get so twisted up in your relationship. Begin to weave yourself with, with God and all that God is. And the more you wait, the more you twist yourself, the stronger you're going to get. So it goes all the way back. I need to spend more time twisting myself with God. <laughs> and there are a lot of ways that you can do that. Oh, thanks. Now I have to bend over to get it. Thank you. <laughs> I'll just put it on this computer. <laughs> Maybe it'll get it to work better. <laughs> I'll be joking. <laughs> uh, so the, the word weight is important there. So let's talk about the subject of renewing your strength, but how do we renew our strength? How, how many would like to get some keys in that? I, I, I'm sure there are some weary people in here. I, I'm sure that there are people who are just worn out, tuckered out. Uh, I mean, you are just, you ran out of fuel. And the reason is, is because you're trying to do what is right and it's not working out. You're praying and it's just not coming about. Now, I know the room's filled with them. The IR one. <laughs> you know, I really, that's not talk from Georgia. That's just talk. <laughs> IR one. Uh, waiting is uncomfortable. 
Just wait. <laughs> you, know, you know what happens when we have to wait? We feel like there's something wrong. Did he forget his lines? You know? What's next? See, we're not a people that are used to just waiting. You know, I, I, you know, I pastored this church. I know what it's all about. And we talk with music teams. And we want to run from one song to the next song to the next song. So we don't want people to feel uncomfortable. But maybe we need to back up and teach ourselves how to be comfortable in waiting. Comfortable in waiting. Okay, I'm going to go to another text. It's going to come up on the board, but this, the, the whole text itself is not going to come up. But you'll remember the story as I begin to re- relate to it. I'm going to paraphrase it a little bit. Luke chapter 2. In the Gospel of Luke chapter 2, if you know anything about Luke chapter 2, that talks about the birth of Christ. That talks about uh, you know, how that birth took place and some of the characters that surrounded it, some of the things that happened uh, the days after that. So that's Luke chapter 2. And here it says that there was, a, there was a man in Jerusalem, and his name was Simeon. Charles' favorite character in the Bible. It says that he was a righteous and devout man. And he eagerly waited for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. Uh, the Holy Spirit, we're told, had... Um, revealed to him that he would not die until he saw the Christ, the Messiah. But he was waiting. He had the revelation, but he had to wait on the revelation. And one day, the same Spirit of God led him to the temple. And there in the temple, Mary and Joseph were coming at the same time, and Simeon lays his eyes on Mary and Joseph and sees the child, the baby, Immediately he knows. He knows that this child is that thing he's been waiting for. At the end of that, he said, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. Say promise. As you have promised, I have seen your salvation. So here we have this character. Name is Simeon. And I'm sure that we, we have all found ourselves in a situation where we have been waiting. And you're probably waiting on something today. I'm sure every one of us have had times when, in our lives when our patience has been tested. <laughs> now, now, I know some of the things you might be running through your mind right now is, yeah, uh, the waiting in the doctor's office. How many know that's one of the worst things to do? I know why we're called patients. <laughs> Waiting in the doctor's office. You, know, you go in, you fill out the paperwork, and they say, well, sit down over there and wait, and then you wait, and you wait, and you wait, and the nurse comes out, Ooh, a little glimmer of hope, and would you please come on back here? And they take your weight and your blood pressure, and they put you in another room. It's called, it's the waiting room. You know, it's not the procedure room, it's the waiting room. And there you are with this little thin whatever they try to put on you, it's never my size anyway. (laughs) And you wait. It can get very frustrating. 
waiting in line at the grocery store. Oh, wow, let's get in this line. So you get in line. Now that line's running quicker than that line. You know, well, let's jump over here. You wait. So we wait on a lot of things, the traffic light, whatever it might be. And there's a frustration that wells up inside of us when this begins to happen. If there's anything I found out in life is this. You have to learn, say learn, learn, to wait. You have to learn to wait. If you're going to walk or follow Jesus, you must learn to wait. There's no way around it. You have to learn to wait. And God has a way of forcing us to sit down, to be still, and wait. I really believe God's hands is upon us. And as the Heavenly Father that he, that he is and that I've committed to, and I say, God, whatever it takes, bring me along, God says, well, this, I think you need a little bit of this. And he's going to force me to wait. Mary and Martha had a brother named Lazarus. You're familiar with the story. And they were friends of Jesus. And one day, Lazarus died. They sent for Jesus because they thought for sure that Jesus would be able to do things. It took them four days to get there. And here's the first things they said to him. You should have come when we called you. Let that sink in. You, you should have come when we called you. In other words, they had to wait. And, and rather than waiting in some kind of hope, they, they waited in frustration because Jesus wasn't there and it could have been different if he was there. David in Psalm 27 said, wait on the Lord and be of good courage. And again, I say, wait on the Lord. Job, with his many troubles that he had, and he had a lot of troubles. And uh, and when he was going through these struggles, listen to what he said. He looked up at his friends and he said, all my appointed time, I will wait on my change to come. That says something about Job. He learned to wait. Even in the midst of the difficulty, the unanswered uh, prayer of healing and deliverance, he said, I'm going to wait for my change to come. In hope, because the hope was he he knew the change was going to come. He didn't know when it was going to come. You serve a God who makes you wait. If we were to be true to ourselves, we would admit that we want God to move when we snap our fingers. If we be true. But God does not operate on demand. God does not have a microwave in heaven and get your blessing ready quicker than it ought to be. God does not overnight his plans and his miracles to you. Bottom line, he's God. Walking with God demands that we learn to wait. Again, if truth were to be told, it, it doesn't always seem like, uh, it, it doesn't always seem in, in the process, but it does seem like we're, that the answer is coming, but it does seem like we are waiting on God for something. Waiting on God to answer a prayer. 
waiting on God to move an obstacle out of our way, waiting on God to heal an issue in my body, waiting on God to reconcile a, a broken relationship, waiting on God to open a door and provide new resources, waiting on God to, to bring a lost one home. There's a young lady in the congregation uh, that I met outside, and she just began to talk a moment, and it's her first time here, by the way, and she just began to talk, and she knows me in the church. She's been in Faith Bible Chapel. Uh, years ago, that she came to me, and she said, you need to pray for my sons. I think three of them are here. And uh, pray for her sons. And one particular one, and he was going through some struggles. And you know, at that time when we're praying something like that, then comes a waiting period, doesn't it? I mean, you prayed, and, and the battle can really, I mean, be very difficult during the waiting time. But the end result is her son has come. A full circle is just getting ready to serve the Lord and go into ministry where he was bound up in darkness and drugs, and now he's free because of Jesus Christ. I mean, that's, that's a testimony, folks. You know, what, you know what I'm expecting for? Here's how I'm praying. I'm praying that out of this meeting and this word being preached and us praying for you, that if I came back a year or two years or three years, you're going to be able to say, God answered that prayer. God answered that prayer. It seems like we're always waiting on God. And waiting, I'll say it again, is uncomfortable. Even when we wait on God, it seems like, what's wrong? We begin to research our own, and, and then we even begin to say, God, what's wrong with you? You know? Our world, let me tell you why we think there's something wrong. Our world has conditioned us this way. Our world has taught us, the culture that we're in it has taught us that we should not wait on anything. Technology has conditioned us to hate waiting. Now, I'm not here to down on technology and all that, but it has conditioned us. You see, the truest sign of technological advancement is speed. If it's not faster than the last one I had, and if it isn't double, how about internet? I mean, we want super duper, duper, duper internet speed. Boom, as you think it, bam, it's on the screen. Hey, we're coming there. But see, all of that conditions us to, needs to happen. The problem is, we can't expect God to operate that way. Your walk with God is different than anything else in this world. Your walk with God, first of all, is an eternal thing, <laughs> not a temporary thing. It's just going to get you by and you can do it better. This is an eternal thing you're working on, saints. We can't expect God to operate that way. God operates in his own time, which is perfect, by the way. Waiting on God is not a question. Hear this now. I, I wrote this down here. Waiting on God is not a question whether or not God can do it or won't do it. Hear that. Waiting on God is a matter of sovereignty. You get it? Everybody awake? It's a matter of sovereignty. Listen, God can do all things. 
And sometimes we wonder, God, if you can do all things, then why don't you do this? It's not a matter if God can do it or even if he wants to do it. It's a matter of sovereignty. It's in the hand of God, and he will move when it's the right time to move. God's ability is governed by God's will. What God can do is executed on what God wills to do. You know, God has a will for your life. What God wills most for you is to grow you up. What God wills for you most is to groom you. What God wills most for you is to guide you. What God wills most for you is to be glorified by you. So in order to grow you, in order to groom you, in order to guide you, in order that he might be glorified by you, sometimes God has to put you in the waiting room and say, be still and know that I am God. We're looking for these external things to help us out. Be still and know that I am God. There's something about waiting that grows you. There's something about waiting that grooms you. There's something about waiting that allows you to glorify God in your life. God has a reason for making you wait. You get that? There's a big difference. External confirmation, internal revelation. And I want to tell you, I'd rather have internal revelation. When Peter and them were going along with Jesus one day, and they came to, to a place up north of Galilee, he said, who do, who do the people say that I am? And you know Peter's answer, what, thou, thou art Christ, the Son of the living God. He said, flesh and blood hasn't revealed that to you. You didn't get a sign on that, but my Father gave you a revelation. When you get a revelation deep down in your heart, that's something that will give you strength. More than a sign. I know I'm walking in dangerous territory there. Signs are good. I thank God for the signs. We'll give a sign. But the deeper revelations that come from the Word and the Word of God go deep down. Those are the things that sustain you in life. Those are the things that help you run and not be weary, walk and not faint, mount up like wings of eagles. All Simon had was a word that God had given him. No sign, no confirmation, no evidence. He believed and he waits for it because God said it. God said it to him. While we find ourselves waiting on a promise to be fulfilled, an answer prayer, an advancement on the job, a loved one, a restoration, there's purpose behind that waiting. You see, God wants to strengthen our faith. Our faith is grounded in his word and not in external confirmation. I put a little side note here. I want to read it. It says, God is trying to break our dependence on external signs and believe he is able because he simply said it in his word. Oh, are you with me? Yeah. Exodus chapter 14 says, the Lord will fight for you, only be still. First thing we want to do is get in the wrestling match with the boss, with a relative, with a mate, with our kids, 
And, and we find ourselves wrestling all day long when we need to spend some time and just being still and waiting on God. Let him show himself strong. Philippians chapter 4, 19 says, My God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. That's a word. Romans 8, 28 says, We know that all things work for good for those that love him. Waiting is so important. Philippians chapter 4, Do not be anxious. This, this is a verse I carry with me all the time. Be not anxious for anything, but in every situation by prayer, petition, and thanksgiving, make your request not unto God. And then the peace of God that passes all understanding will flood your soul. It's a matter of not being anxious, but waiting on God. God wants to renew your strength, but he also knows in order for that to happen, he needs to grow you, mature you, so that your walk becomes something more than superficial. So we need to learn to take God at his word. Waiting strengthens our faith. The second purpose or reason for waiting is that God is waiting on our worship. Why don't you get that down? Waiting strengthens our faith, but in the waiting, God is waiting on our worship. In other words, I can say, how are we going to respond? How do we respond when we're in the waiting room or we find ourselves waiting for something? What, what's our attitude like? What's our worship like during that time? While you're waiting on God to work, listen, God is waiting on you to worship. Simeon is in the temple. While he's in the temple, he goes to the temple, and there's only one reason to go to the temple, because he was accustomed to going and worshiping God. Why? He didn't have a sign, but God was worthy. And because God was worthy, he worshiped. While I'm waiting on answers, God is still deserving of my worship. Worship and here's a question. Can I worship when it appears God's not answering? I know this is speaking to someone. Teaching us something. While we're waiting, can we still worship? Is my worship based on what God does, or is my worship made, uh, uh, rooted in what God is? Big difference. You need to move from worshiping God just because he does things. There are some who can shout very loud when God does something. And, and there is a time for that. But if that's the only time you shout, if that's the only time you worship, if that's the only time you maintain a holy attitude to life and, and all those around you, you got a problem. God is looking for Simeons, who when God doesn't do anything, he's still God. <laughs> he is worthy to be worshipped. He is the creator of the heavens and the earth. He is the righteous and just judge. He is my peace. He is, he is forever and ever. And those short few sentences, he's worthy. Simeon didn't need anything to bring him to the temple. He came to worship because he, of who God was. And I'm ashamed in, a, in our shallow Christianity and our world that the littlest thing that happens keeps us back from worshiping God. 
the little disappointments, the little unanswered prayers, I would have to say is because that's what we're looking for. But we're not really looking for the deep fellowship with God. God is never idle, listen, in the life of someone who worships. God is never inactive in the life of someone who is worshiping. God is always working, but let me tell you, behind the scenes. Oh, if, I, I've got to wrap this up now, and, but I'm just thinking here in a moment, look what God had to put together in order for Simeon to meet up with that child, Jesus. I don't know when he gave him that word, but it was years before, it, it, it seems to be. That's the assumption that we make because of it. But in order for that to happen, God had to do a lot of things to make it work. And God's doing a lot of things to make it work for you too, but you're just not aware of them. You see, Joseph and Mary were in Nazareth. They had to be in Bethlehem for this thing to come down that God promised there would be a child born in Bethlehem. So he has to go to Rome and tap the, the Caesar on the shoulder and say, listen, I want you to turn the world upside down and, and bring everybody to their home base. And they go to their home base and it happens. And you can take it from there. I mean, one thing after, in the fullness of time, God came. All these things are working behind the scenes right now. And you might not see it, but I guess if I want to say anything as we close this up. What do you base your worship on? Your loyalty to God on? Your relationship to God on? I hope it's deeper than just what he does for you. And I know that God is very aware of some people's needs in this room today. He knows you've been waiting for a healing in your body. He knows you've been struggling on the job and financially you're strapped. He knows that. He knows that things aren't going well at home and you've been praying and it doesn't seem to be any breakthrough. Listen, I just believe today. See, there's a timing on things. And I don't believe I would have brought this message under the leading of the Holy Spirit unless it was a word for many people who are here today. And I hope that God right now is stirring your heart, stirring your spirit, and saying, you heard it. I'm going to move. But I want to give you an assurance. I want to give you something deeper now. So I'm going to ask something, and I'm going to make my way over here, and if I just keep my mic on for a moment. You know, I'm here. I, I would love to pray for you. I, I would love to pray, just like I prayed for that young lady is here. And years later, I come back and she says, oh, you won't believe how things turned around. I want to pray for you. And I'm going to ask, there, there are some leaders in the church here, prayer team. Uh, would you make your way up here right now? And if you want prayer, if you're waiting and struggling and, oh, you're just not at ease the way you need to be, I want to pray for you. I really do. I want to. I want to pray for you. So I'm going to ask you to come up. They're going to, they're going to just play some background music. I'm going to ask you to come up. I'm going to come down here.